Welcome to the Rock Christian Church Podcast. Today's message is Home by Pastor Sean Wood. Father, we thank you for the privilege that you have communicated to us. You are communicating to us. And so as we open your word, we pray that we would have ears to listen this morning. Father, your word is living and active. It's sharper than any double-edged sword. It pierces us so deep, Lord. And I pray today that the greatest heart surgeon in the universe would open up each one of us this morning and do a work that only you can do. And we make ourselves available for that this morning. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. If you've uh, got your Bibles, we're going to spend most of our time this morning in Revelations 21. Uh, Next week, we finish off our Revelation series, um, which has been a hoot. And uh, I've enjoyed uh, all parts of the book of Revelation, but I really enjoy the last part because there's so much that speaks about our future hope. Uh, I don't know about everybody else, but wherever you travel, uh, even if you're camping and fishing, uh, it doesn't matter how long you're away, it's always good to come home, right? It's always good. It's interesting how we define home. Home is not always necessarily four walls and a roof. That may be kind of what we make into a home, but uh, home isn't defined by a post office box. It's not defined by an address or a street number. Home is defined more by, I would like to say, not a what or a where, but a who. Home is about who we do life with and who we may live with. Uh, Many people have travelled great distances. Not everybody here is from... Uh, Brisbane. Uh, We are not from Brisbane. We're from Tasmania. We've got family in Tasmania. They're a little bit weird. We don't let them out at night. And on a full moon, we close the curtains, but we love them. (laughs) But home is uh, best described often by what is familiar. Uh, For those that kind of know a little bit of my story, I grew up a lot of my younger life not really knowing what a home was. I always lived in a construction of four walls and a roof, but a home is always more than that. A home is somewhere familiar. A home is often somewhere where you experience love, but home is what you would call the place that you belong. And today we're going to talk about home. And the question I have for everybody before we start is, we're going to hear a wonderful description about home in a moment, but where is your home? My greatest fear is that as Christians, we're too comfortable to have a post office box in heaven. You can, you can send my mailing address there, but we call home down here. And the other question I have is, if heaven is really our home and we'll answer this before we finish today, how should that affect how we live here? Mm, I'm glad you're asking all these really good questions this morning. Uh, For those that were here last week, uh, last week, this week, and next week, I'm going to give you all of the end times theology you're ever going to need. We started last week, all of the end times theology, you don't need Google for the, for this end times theology. It's pretty clear and it's pretty clear in the Bible. We started last week and Shane touched on it this morning, uh, that the number one thing that you need to know about the end times is this. Jesus is returning. 
Yeah, it's exciting, isn't it? Yeah, it is. And you better be ready. And readiness is a verb. And readiness is your responsibility. A little bit more about that as we work along. Here, this morning, I'd like to also give you uh, another part of that, or describe it maybe in a different way. Uh, in John chapter 14, no need to turn there. We're going to read the first three verses of John chapter 14, but let me give you some context. Uh, the chapters 13, 14, 15, and 16 of John are the final discourse of Jesus in the final hours of his life. He is having an intimate meal with his disciples, but the context is that there's a whole lot of trouble coming. In a lot of ways. Jesus has spent time telling them that he's going away. They don't understand where he's going. They don't know how to get there. Although Jesus begins to make it clear in chapter 14. He's made it clear that one of them would betray him. And for those that are coming tonight, we're going to look at John 13. You know what astounds me is Judas is on the cusp of betraying Jesus. And Jesus washed his feet. He's a glorious saviour. But John chapter 14 is in the context, not only has he announced that one will betray them, and they're all wondering who it is, right? They're all trying to work it out. Not only that, but he's told Peter, you're going to deny me. And Peter's trying to work out what that means. And against that backdrop, and against the backdrop where they're about to witness their friend and their saviour be absolutely horribly uh, tortured and, and, and crucified, Their faith is about to be sorely tested. And Jesus has these words for his disciples. Let not your hearts be troubled. Yeah, good on you, Jesus. Yeah, you go ahead and, yeah, good for you, Jesus. Yeah, how many people are going, yeah, good for you, Jesus. Let not your hearts be troubled. But we live in times that are similar to that. We live in times today when if you listen to the news for five minutes, your heart might become a little bit troubled. Jesus would say to his disciples against this backdrop and against our own backdrop today, he would say the same thing. Let not your hearts be troubled, believe in God. Don't we overcomplicate it? Do not let your hearts be troubled, believe in God, believe also in me. And what we're going to learn for the first century Christians when we talk about home is these guys lived their life and endured much because of what laid before them. They, they, they kept their eyes on home. They knew that all that was happening here was light and momentary affliction. It's kind of like what uh, Hebrews describes of Jesus. For the joy set before him, Jesus endured the cross. What was the joy? Us. Home. Unhindered access. Verse 2. Now we move into end times theology. I love this. In my father's house are many rooms. And that word rooms is uh, very interesting. It's not used in any fashion in the Old Testament and it's only used twice in the New Testament. The other place that it is used is in verse 23 where it speaks about that me and my father will come and make our home. Oh, in my father's house are many rooms, many homes. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go? This is, this is awesome. This is awesome. I go to prepare a place for you. John Piper speaks haunting words. 
And he says, imagine heaven for a moment. Imagine that the end has come and we're all in heaven and imagine what that looks like for you. And the challenge comes that if heaven looks like endless fairways and never missing the green, if heaven looks like fish that are a metre plus and right outside your doorstep for the rest of eternity, John Piper actually says, whatever your imaginations of heaven, if Jesus is not there, you won't be there. Ooh. Because home is not a what or a where, it's all about who. Now, I'm holding by faith that there's fish in heaven, but we'll get to that one a little bit later. In my father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? Jesus is preparing a place for you right now. This is why you matter. This is why you are so important, because Jesus is preparing a place for you right now. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again. I love this. This is all the end time theology you need today. I will come again and take you to myself. Praise be to his glorious name. I will come and I will take you to myself that where I am, you may be also. What we're beginning to learn just from those couple of verses, here's what you need to know about end times if you really want to know anything, is that Jesus is preparing a place for you and he's coming back to get you. And he's going to take you to himself. And now we're going to have a look just briefly at at what that could possibly look like. And many people are saying, well, hang on, how do we we divide this? We're kind of, we we live here, but this isn't home. How do we kind of, and it's the old analogy of the boat and the submarine. If you can imagine that the water is like the world, we're called to be boats. You're called to have a footprint in this world. You're called to have an impact in this world. You're called to be on this world, but not taking on water, not surrounded. Have a look at the submarine. The submarine is under the water, completely enclosed. The reality is that every single person in this world is looking for that place that they belong. That's actually what everybody wants. Ecclesiastes describes it like this, that God has placed eternity in the hearts of all mankind. Every single person outside here realises, I wasn't made for here. Every single person is trying to fill that, trying to find satisfaction, trying to build a home here. Are you trying to build a home here? You may be wasting your time. John, in his glorious revelation in chapter 21, for those that have been tracking with us as we come to Chapter 21 now begins a brief description of heaven. And how could you possibly describe it? Uh, Paul in 2 Corinthians 12 says, I know a man that went to the third heaven. And he's talking about himself. And what Paul says is, I saw things that I haven't got words or vocabulary to try and describe for you. Which kind of blows out of the water some people that stand up and go, I went to heaven, and they're talking like they went down the shop and got a carton of milk. When, when Paul went to heaven, he said, I saw things that I can't describe. When John is seeing all that's unfolding, if you read the book of Revelation, count how many times you see the word like, because what John's trying to tell us is, it's like this. I can't describe it, but it's like this. He starts off in chapter 21, verse 1. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, 
For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and the sea was no more. As we work our way through these verses, most of them are self-explanatory. We're going to ask the same question we always have. What did John see? What could it possibly mean? And then we finish today with what does it mean for us today? Because depending on where your home is has an enormous impact on how you live today. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and the sea was no more. Throughout the book of Revelation, the sea is referenced in chapter 20. The sea is referenced as the place of the dead. In in chapter 13, the sea is where rebellious, prideful nations set themselves and rise up against God. It is also called a literal body of water. But in heaven, in the new heavens and the new earth, there is no sea. I don't think we can wrap our minds around what that actually means for the moment. There's going to be no threat from the enemy. There's going to be no persecution for what you believe. There's going to be no more hatred. Can you possibly believe that? There's going to be no more earthly rulers like Russian earthly rulers. There's going to be no more conflicts. Not only will you love everybody in heaven, you might even like a few of them too. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. Verse 2. Speaking about a bride this morning over communion. Speaking about preparation. I love this verse. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem. Jerusalem is known as the place of God. Jerusalem is known as the city of God. Jerusalem is known as the place where God dwells. But there's a new Jerusalem. It's coming down out of heaven from God, from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. Can I tell you today that God is preparing his bride and she is majestic. I don't care what anybody else says about the church. I don't care what the world says about the church. I don't care what those inside of the church say about the church. She's the bride of Christ and you leave her alone because he's preparing her. We have, a, we have a distorted idea of what blessing looks like. When, when we describe God's blessing in our lives, maybe we describe getting that promotion. Maybe we describe the good health and the good fortune we, we, we think we have on, here, on this planet. But can I tell you today, the greatest blessing that God can bring into your life is anything that will make you more Christ-like. Anything that will prepare you for that day when you are married, when we come into the new heavens and the new earth. Anything God can do today that prepares you for that, and he is preparing you, by the way, you're welcome in advance. All of that hard stuff you're going through, all of those storms you're going through, all of those challenges in your relationships, all of, all of those things that are going on, God's preparing you. He's doing the work of preparation. I love what comes in the next few verses. Verse 3, And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God, or the tabernacle of of God. For those that want to hang around for the Exodus series, the tabernacle is a glorious message for us today. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, behold, the dwelling place of God is with men. I find that profound that God chooses to dwell with us. And that is the story of every part of the Bible, is that God's intent and desire has been all the time, I want to dwell with man. 
There is going to come a day when you are going to throw off this veil of flesh, where you're going to throw off all of this compromise. You're going to throw off all of this complacency, and there is going to be nothing that stops your intimate connection with the Almighty God. You are going to be in his presence for eternity. And when you're in the presence of God, you're not going to be thinking about fish. You're not going to be thinking about the par 4 18th. You're not going to be thinking about coffee. God created water to filter coffee, friends, but I'm not sure. I've heard it references the nectar of the gods, but I'm not sure we're going to be thinking about coffee time in heaven. I want to whet your appetite because, friends, I'm describing where you're going to spend eternity. You're going to spend maybe... God willing, you might spend 80 plus years down here. But in in regards to eternity, that's a blink of an eye. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them as their God. This has started now. Paul, in his teachings in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, makes it very clear that God has deliberately chosen to tabernacle and dwell with man now. But what we read is the consummation of that. You are saved, but uh, all the wonderful consummation of that. You have eternal life right now. Do you know that? Jesus Christ, our Saviour, said in John chapter 17, this is eternal life, that they may know you. Verse 4. There's some people here that are looking forward to this part, right? You know, the psalmist says that God holds every tear in in a bottle. But I love verse 4, he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Death shall be no more. Do you know you don't get any more wrinkles in heaven? Nobody here is over 50, so you're not going to get any amens for that. (laughs) Do you know your hair doesn't get any greyer in heaven? (laughs) (laughs) No refunds. (laughs) Start colouring it now. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore. For the former things have passed away. Friends, can I be really honest with you? I'll get back to preaching in a second. But can I be really honest with you for a moment? The gospel of Jesus Christ is not a gospel that was sent to enhance your life down here. The gospel of Jesus was not good news so that you get more money in your bank, so that you can drive all those fancy cars, so that you can have all of the success and get all of the promotions. That's not the gospel. The gospel of Jesus is not a gospel that comes to enhance this world. It's to deliver us out of it. That's what these verses all about right here. We're going to be delivered out of all of the crying and all of the pain and all of the grief. There's no cancer in heaven. Thanks be to Almighty God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain any more, for the former things have passed away. Verse 5. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. Behold, I am making all things new. I'm sorry this morning, but I don't care what the books say on the bookshelves at Karong. 
this is not your best life now. How can you possibly have your... If this is my best life, I'm looking for a refund, friends. I love Jesus and I'm thankful for the peace in in my heart that I have in the knowledge of him. But can I tell you now, if this this is my best life, I'm reading to you now. That's my best life. Just as an FYI, for those that read that book, you'll find that you can't have your best life without redemption and without the cross. No mention of it. You can't. This is not our best life now. I am making all things new. Also, he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. And he said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. And that is a, a reference. It's, it's, in ancient times, it was a reference. Referencing the first and last letter of the alphabet is declaring that you have control over everything in history, everything in between. The sovereign God of the universe. He is the Alpha and the Omega. What is, is he saying? I'm in control. Did you notice at the very first verse of chapter 21 that there is still one seated on the throne? God never gets up from his throne. He doesn't have to. He's not panicked. And he said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give from the spring of the water of life without payment. The one who conquers will have this heritage or this inheritance, I will be his God and he will be my son. What have I just described? I've just described in that last sentence there, I've just described that this is where you belong. This is where you belong. Fast forward down to verse 22, if I can read that for you this morning. We're going to go right into chapter 22. And I saw no temple in the city. Why is there no temple? There's no more sacrifices, friends. There's no more priests, friends. You don't need them. You'll be continuously worshipping God. So who's putting their hand up to worship lead that day? And I saw no temple in the city, for its temple is the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb. Verse 23, and the city has no need of sun or moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives it light and its lamp is the Lamb. Imagine that for a moment. Imagine for a moment there's no night. We don't sleep, we don't rest. We bask in the glory of God. For eternity. Verse 25, and its gates will never be shut by day and there will be no night there. Verse 26, they will bring into it the glory and honour of the nations, but nothing unclean will ever enter into it, nor anyone who does what is detestable. There will be no sin in heaven. There will be no flesh in heaven. There will be no struggling with uh, our flesh. And I, I love the fact It says, but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. And the question I have today, is your name written in the Lamb's book of life? You have much to celebrate. If it's not, don't leave here today. Jesus brought his pen. Jesus uses permanent marker. We're the ones with the eraser. Chapter 22, then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb through the middle of the street of the city, also on either side of the river, the tree of life, with its 12 kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit each month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be anything accursed. No longer. We don't work, men, we don't work in heaven. You don't have to work the ground in heaven. Ladies, there's no ironing in heaven. (laughs) 
I've got three boys. Praise God there'll be no washing in heaven. Amen? <laughs> there are some odours that come out of my laundry that I can't describe in English. <laughs> I haven't got English words to describe that. But I praise God it won't be in heaven. Verse 3, no longer will there be anything accursed, but the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it, and his servants will worship him. They will see his face. You can't do that now. No one can see my face as God and live. But we will see his face. I can't wait just for that. And his name will be on their foreheads, which is a reference to ownership. I own you. Verse 5, and night will be no more. They will need no light of lamp or sun, for the Lord God will be their light, and they will reign forever and ever. What I have just described, friends, is not planet Earth. John says in chapter 4 of Revelations, he says, I stepped through a door, I saw a door opened, and when I stepped through that door, he sees things. He sees one seated on the throne. He sees a lamb as slain. Interesting. He sees four living creatures. He sees a host of elders on their thrones. And we went through what all of that means. But what I've just described is not, this is not home, friends. The New Testament is filled with language. But the first epistle of Peter highlights it. He writes to a suffering group of Christians spread abroad and he says to the elect exiles. That word exile could also be translated as sojourner or it could also be translated alien. Some wives are like, I think my husband's an alien, but (laughs) before we go down that rabbit hole, Imagine for a moment that an alien did land here. They'd stand out like a sore thumb. It's not the person sitting next to you, just by the way. (laughs) But they would be different. Did anybody ever watch the Spielberg movie, E.T.? What was E.T. always trying to do? Go home. home. Thank goodness we've got GPS today. (laughs) He can find his way home. And we ask ourselves the question, okay, this isn't home, and, and, and what the reference to exile means, what the reference to sojourner means, is we are passing through. Jesus said, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. How does, how does this affect our lives today? Well, we're going to bring it right into our land rooms today. Let's, for those that are familiar with Hebrews chapter 11, There is a list of the heroes of faith. And I think they will rewrite Hebrews 11 at the end, and I wonder whose names will be in there. Will your name be in there? And for your name to get on that honour roll, because I want my name on there, by the way. If you want to learn about greatness, come tonight. We're going to learn about how to be great in the kingdom of God. Come tonight. But, But I actually want to be on the new list. Anybody else want to be on that new list? Well, it means we're going to change how we live. Let's have a listen to how these guys lived. We've just heard about Noah. We've just heard about Abel. We've just heard about Enoch. We've just heard about uh, Sarah and Abraham. And now the writer to the Hebrews, who we don't know, by the way, comes to verse 13 and he says, 
These all died in faith. Now, can I just be clear that my job as pastor is to help you to die well? I know that sounds macabre, but I pray that God would use me to help every person in this room die in faith. But for that to happen, you have to live in faith. Because all of these guys, they died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar. Listen to this language. And having, having acknowledged, having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on earth. Mm. Do you know if an alien landed on planet earth, he's not worried about getting a mortgage and buying a house? You're welcome this morning. How much of our language feels, how much do we talk about the fact that we have to live the Aussie dream? How, this isn't home. Why are we worried about buying property down here? Why are we worried about retirement? You might not even make it. Why are we worried about how much money we've got in our bank? How are we, how, why are we worried about how many friends we've got on Facebook? They're not real friends anyway. Why are we worried about all of these things? Because this isn't home. Everything we do today should be for when we do get home. I haven't been to many funerals, but the, one I ha- the ones I have been to, I can categorically tell you this. I've never seen a U-Haul truck pull up. Where do I drop off the cat? <laughs> Welcome back, Liz. <laughs> But can we get real for a moment? Do you know if you rent a house for the rest of your life, it's probably not the end of the world. Do you know if you get to the end of your life and you haven't got thousands of dollars in the bank, it's probably not the end of the world. Financial advisors are ringing saying, hey, we need to talk. I get that. But for a moment, we spend all of our lives invested for the golden years of retirement that so many people don't make. And for those that do get there, they spend a couple of fleeting years there. Why are we not more focused on how can I extend God's kingdom here now? Why is our language not filled with... Why are our prayers always filled with... What fills your prayer list? God bless me. God give me more money. God give me that promotion. That never filled these guys' prayers list. Paul never prayed anything like that. Paul says, I know what it is to have plenty. He says, and I know what it is to have nothing. He says, but I also know that in all circumstances, through him who gives me strength, which is the context of that verse, I know how to be content. Verse 14, for people who speak thus make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. If they had been thinking of that land from which they had gone out, what occupies your thinking the most? Mm. Ever heard the saying, you can be too heavenly minded to be any earthly good? I'll go on record, that's rubbish. We need more Christians to be more heavenly minded. 
Because the more heavenly minded you are, the more it will affect how you live your life down here. If they had been thinking of that land from which they had gone out, what occupies your thinking the most? They would have had opportunity to return. Verse 16, but as it is, they desire a better country because they've got their eyes on home. That is a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God for he has prepared for them a city. There is a city in heaven and the street sign's got your name on it. The challenge that comes to all of us today is if heaven is home, why are we so occupied with the affairs of earth? I'm wondering if we can just bow our heads for a moment. Can I ask you this morning as you sit quietly, where's home for you? For those that read the pastor's comments this morning, I was astounded to read statistics that show that no matter how much we have or how much success we achieve, 48% of us are still focused on what we don't have. I was astounded to find that, and COVID highlights this, that no matter what happens, over 50% of us are constantly focused on what we cannot control. And also over 50% of us are focused on the past instead of the present or the future. And for those that read the pastor's comments, you know that Jesus came to radically transform what we focus on. And for the heroes of faith, we just read that the largest thing about them was they had a different focus. It doesn't mean God didn't bless them in this life. Have a look at Abraham. But this world wasn't his focus. This earth wasn't his home. Father, as we conclude this morning, where our home is determines the direction of our life. It determines the priorities of our life. It determines the desires of our heart. Father, I pray that every one of us would be more heavenly minded. That you would fill our hearts, that you would fill our thoughts with the aroma of heaven. May each one of us, like Jesus, for the joy that is set before us, endure this life with our eyes fixed on home. Thank you, Jesus, that you are preparing a place for every one of us. We can't wait to be there. Father, I pray right now, Holy Spirit, 
that as we leave this place, that your word would not leave us. In your wonderful name we ask. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Rock Christian Church Podcast. To be notified when the next episode is available, subscribe on our website at therock.org.au. You can also connect with us on Facebook at The Rock Christian Church. We hope you have been blessed today and we look forward to you joining us for our next episode.